When it comes to prophecies in the Old Testament, maybe the hardest or most confusing thing about interpretation or figuring out how they apply to our lives is the time warp factor. When you look at prophecies in the Old Testament, the question of to what time does this apply is a hard question. Because sometimes it sounds like prophets are talking about something that's going to happen in their immediate future. For instance, in our prophecy today from the Old Testament, talks about Jeremiah talks about the Lord who's going to bring Israel out of the north country. So maybe he's talking about the return from captivity that's going to happen. Israel out of Assyria, Judah out of Babylon. Maybe he's talking about something that's going to happen in the immediate future. But sometimes it also sounds like they're talking about something further in the future. Specifically messianic prophecies talking about Jesus, which I think we have here Today, I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and she'll deal wisely and execute justice in the land. And we'll talk about how that is Christ here in a minute. But sometimes they're also referring back to things that have happened in the past. Like he says here today, the Lord who had led the people at one time back long ago out of Egypt... And sometimes it sounds like they're talking about the end of the world. There are other prophecies like that. The time warp factor, to what time does this prophecy exactly apply, makes it kind of difficult or at least confusing to interpret prophecies in the Old Testament. In our reading from Jeremiah today, We have this context, which we already mentioned. Jeremiah is in Judah, disobedient Judah. The Judah, if you came to Bible study of people like Rehoboam and Abijam, the Judah where they have shrines to false gods, the Judah that has turned away from the Lord with only few good kings dispersed throughout their entire history. And Jeremiah prophesies for them over and over again in his book, The Babylonian Captivity, that God will come and punish them for their sins. He will take them away to a distant land. But here in this gospel prophecy, we have this message that the Lord will deliver them. He will raise up for them a deliverer. He will raise up for them a king. He will raise up for them a branch who will bring them out of that captivity. And yet, even though we have that context, there are some things that Jeremiah says here that make you wonder, is that the only thing he's talking about? Is that the only time that he is prophesying about? First of all, we have the David's righteous branch. The David's righteous branch, if you 
Rewind back to 2 Samuel 7, whenever the Lord prophesied to David that there would be an eternal kingdom that would come from his line. There would be a throne that would be eternal for David, that his throne would not pass away, and that there would be a Messiah who would come. We know that that branch of David is not Ezra or Nehemiah. The prophets and the kings who returned Israel and Judah from captivity. We know that that everlasting king, that everlasting branch of David, it can't be someone who only solves a temporary problem. It has to be an everlasting king. And also in verse 8 As the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country. But then Jeremiah adds on this little phrase here. And out of all the countries where he had driven them. Out of all the countries where he had driven them. And that makes me think that Jeremiah here is speaking about Israel. Not just in the ethnic sense of this one people in the Old Testament. Not just out of these Tribes in the Old Testament that make up the people of Israel, but maybe in the Romans 9 sense of all believers in Christ. Israel, the Christian church. That there would be a deliverer who would come, who would bring out of captivity everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. All true Israelites, not Israelites by blood, but Israelites by faith. Out of all the countries where he had driven them. Now it is good to remember this multifaceted approach to prophecy during Advent. The reason it is kind of all over the place time-wise when you think about Old Testament prophecy is precisely because God is multifaceted. God is the God of history. And as the God of history, he works out his salvation throughout history. And similar things do happen over and over again, but they are all pointing to Christ. They're all centered on Jesus Christ. And when we come to Advent, we can see this clearly, that Christ comes to us. That's what Advent means. Coming. That's, the word, that's what the word means. It means coming. That Christ comes to us in a multifaceted way. When we talk about Advent, we're not just talking about one coming. We're not just talking about the coming at Christmas Jesus in the manger, that's one of the comings, but we're also talking about multiple comings throughout time in history. There are three Advents, specifically. There is the Advent of Christmas, the Advent of the Incarnation, where Jesus comes to us in the flesh 2,000 years ago, the first Advent. But then there is also the Advent now, that Jesus comes to us now. He comes to us in his word. He comes to us in his sacraments. He comes to us in his means of grace. 
And he is, finally, the third advent, coming again. And that sounds similar to the Old Testament prophecy. The prophecies which talk about the coming of Jesus, and also the coming of Jesus, and also the coming of Jesus in different times, in different ways. So today, Jeremiah gives us three ways to think about this Jesus who comes to us 2,000 years ago, who comes to us now, and who is coming again on the last day to judge the living and the dead. He calls him three different things, roughly, depending on how you want to divide it up. First of all, he is the righteous branch. The righteous branch and also our righteousness. Second of all, he is the king. The king who deals wisely. And finally, he is the deliverer, the one who comes and brings out of captivity. The righteous branch, the king, and the deliverer. And he came, and he comes, and he's coming again with all three of those titles, with all three of those jobs. So first of all, let's look at the righteous branch. And even with the righteous branch, you kind of have two different things there. First of all, you have the righteousness. And the righteousness of Christ is this in the ways that he comes. When he came in his first advent, he lived for you a righteous life. He came as the perfect son of man who could not do or who could do what you could not do. He came in perfect righteousness and lived righteously before his Father in heaven. You have not lived righteously. None of us have. But the Lord lived righteously. When he was baptized, even though he was sinless, he said, I must be baptized so that I can fulfill for you all righteousness. This is to fulfill all righteousness. Every step he walked, every breath he took, it was all perfectly righteous, no sin whatsoever. And he did that so that he could give that righteousness to you. He did that so he could give to you what we sometimes call the great exchange. Or what Jeremiah says here is simply a name that we give to him. The Lord is now our righteousness. He takes on our sin and we give him and he gives us his righteousness. We give him our sin. He gives us his righteousness. He is our righteousness and that's what he does today. When he comes to you in his word, when he comes to you in his baptism, when he comes to you in his supper, he gives you all of the righteousness which he lived. He came. He lived righteously, he comes, he gives you his righteousness, and when he comes again, he will judge you then according to that righteousness. He will judge you, he will look down on you, not according to the sins which you have committed, but he will look down on you according to the righteousness with which he has covered you. And so our righteous branch came he comes and he's coming again in righteousness, but he's also a branch. He's a righteous branch. 
The idea of a branch in the Old Testament prophecies is a very interesting one. It starts way back at Genesis 3.15, the very first gospel, whenever the Lord says to Eve, you will have a seed. And that seed will come and he will crush the serpent's head and he will, the, the serpent will strike his heel. But that seed grows throughout the Old Testament. We're looking for the seed. We're looking for the seed. Where is the seed at? Eve thinks it's Seth. It's not Seth. Or she thinks it's Cain. It's not Cain. Then she thinks it's Seth. It's not Seth either. The seed is promised to Abraham. But it's not Jacob. The seed is promised in the line of Judah. But then the kingdom, as the, as the judges go and things get worse and worse in the land, it's hard to see where that seed is. But then David comes and the kingdom is made. And the Lord promises what we talked about in 2 Samuel 7. And the Lord promises, like in Isaiah chapter 11, that there will come a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That seed is still alive. The tree was planted way back then. It continues on. And a shoot comes out of the stump of Jesse, David's father. And it continues to grow and it continues to grow. And now here in Jeremiah, the Lord promises that a branch will come. A branch from the line of David. And finally, that seed is born. Finally, that tree of life comes to fruition in the womb of Mary. He came. The righteous branch was born. And he became for you the tree of life on the cross. When he came, that branch bore fruit the fruit of Christ's body and blood hung up, poured out on the cross, the new tree of life. And that righteous branch still comes to you today. In John 15, he says, I am the vine. This is mixing metaphors a little bit. And you are the branches. He is the big branch, in other words, and you are the little branches. And so he came to you, Back then, he became for you back then your tree of life, but now he feeds you from that tree of life. The righteous branch came and he's coming to you. Even now. And that righteous branch will come again. That relationship of the vine to the branches will come to its complete fruition when he does come again. He says, I'm like the big branch and you're the little branches and I feed you. And when he comes again, we will see him as he is because we will be like him. We are like him now. He is making us like him now. We will be even more like him then. We will see him as he is when that righteous branch comes on the final day. So the righteous branch came as a righteous seed, he comes now to us, giving us his righteousness, feeding us 
through his lifeblood. And he will come again to judge us in righteousness and to bring us to himself. He's not just a righteous branch, though. Remember, he's also the king, Jeremiah says. Now, he's not the kind of king that came as he was expected, as you might expect him to come. When the, humble, when the king came, he came in humility. As you heard in our gospel reading today, he came not in pomp and glory. He came not a proud king wearing a crown of jewels, but he came a humble king. He came a king riding on a little donkey. And he came a king whose throne was not a throne of gold, but a throne of a cross. And whose crown was not that of jewels, but a crown of thorns. He came a king not to be served like earthly kings come, but a king to serve. And he still comes to you as that king. He came to establish his kingdom on this earth. And now he still comes giving you that kingdom every day. When he ascended to his father's right hand above in heaven, he now delivers to you the kingdom day in and day out. He reigns at the right hand of God. He is a king who does deal wisely and executes justice and righteousness in the land. And we can't always see it today, but he is providentially caring for you day in, day out from his seat in heaven above. And whenever you suffer in this world, whenever you go through hardships, whenever the ills come and the sufferings come, your king is reigning above. Your king has brought the kingdom. He came, but he's still bringing you the kingdom today. He's still caring for you in every hour and every minute. And he knows your every need. That's why he ascended into heaven, so that he could continue to be your king even now. And remember that that king is coming again. He will come again, this time in the glory that he didn't come with to begin with when he came riding on the donkey. But the glory that he's always deserved and the glory that he's always had by virtue of being who he is, the Son of God. In Psalm 2 and in Psalm 110, we hear that the king will come again in glory. Also in Psalm 24, which we sang earlier, that the king is coming in glory. And when he comes in glory, the kings of this earth, who right now set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, who set themselves against Christ, thinking that they deserve all the glory, who set themselves against Christ, thinking that they know better how to run the world than Christ does, that they will have to kiss the sun. They will have to bow their knees before the true king, lest he be angry. For when he comes again in glory, he will execute earthly kings in his wrath, and he will judge all the nations. 
He will come again in true glory, and he will be the forever king. That is bad news for wicked kings on this earth, but it is good news for you. For your king who came to serve you, to humble himself, to bring you his salvific kingdom. The same king who's reigning in heaven above right now, caring for your every need. When that king comes again in glory, he will be the forever king of the new heavens and the new earth. He will be the king of the perfect land. He will be the king of your fatherland, reigning in Zion on his holy hill. He will be at his throne at the wedding feast where you will sing his praises forever and ever, singing to him blessing and honor and glory and might and dominion be his because they are and they will be and it will be glorious. So your king came, he comes, and he's coming again. And finally, we'll leave on this, that he is your deliverer. Just like he delivered the people of old from Egypt, from their captivity to Pharaoh and their oppression in that place. Just like he delivered Israel out of the north country from the Assyrians and later the Persians. Just like he delivered Judah from the south country, from the Babylonians. Just like he returned his people from captivity. He has come and he has returned you from captivity to sin. He has delivered you from the oppression and slavery of sin in your life. Whenever every sin has oppressed you and made you a slave to it, he has come and he has loosed those shackles. He has brought you out of the darkness of slavery into the light of freedom in his gospel. And he did that by means of coming. He did that by means of taking on your flesh and taking your sin and taking your slavery to death and the devil and dying with it. And crushing that serpent's head and rising again to new life. He delivered you from that slavery, from that captivity. And he delivers that freedom to you now. He delivers that grace to you now. In the means of his grace, in the preaching of his word, in his water, from the font, in his body and blood, from the altar, he gives you now. And in the words of absolution, he gives you now that freedom. He continues to give it to you. As you continue to struggle against sin in this life, on this side of heaven, he continues to give you forgiveness after forgiveness after forgiveness, grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. And he will finally deliver you home on the last day, for we are strangers on this earth. This is not our fatherland. This is not our home. He will deliver you home. He will deliver you to that new heavens and new earth. He will deliver you to Jerusalem, the golden. He will deliver you to his city, Zion, where he reigns as king. 
where he judges in righteousness, where he executes justice perfectly for all time. And so this Advent, I want you to think about this and remember this, that your righteous branch, that your king, that your deliverer, that your Jesus Christ, he came, he comes to you now, whenever you need him. And he is coming again to give you deliverance and righteousness for the rest of time. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.